0: remember all those questions we asked ourselves in the offseason about oregon's defense and whether or not it's better i think the data is pretty darn clear here it's a lot better good enough to win the pac-12 here we go you are locked on ducks your daily podcast on the oregon ducks part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review wherever you listen to or watch the show. We're marching closer to 4,000 on YouTube. We're getting there. So if you're watching you haven't subscribed, please do. Today's episode brought to you by Picks, the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Go to prizepickscom slash college. Use code locked on College for a first deposit match up to one $100. Defense, the offense, motivation levels, and more coming up on today's show. But I want to start talking about the defensive side of the ball because I got to thinking. I got to thinking about the amount of time that we spent in the offseason asking ourselves questions, the amount of time that Dan Lanning spent getting questions and he at one point got agitated, as we all remember, answering questions about the defense and such. And the data are pretty clear. We're, we're seven weeks into the season, six games in. This is not a small sample size. Or Oregon has proven to be a better defensive unit than a season ago. And one that I see as being good enough to get the team where it wants to go this season. Does it automatically mean that's all going to play out? Nope. No, nope, it does not. Does it mean they're capable? Does it mean that the ceiling is there? Combined with what Oregon's capable of offensively, I believe the answer to that question is yes. And I'm not just speaking on conjecture here, though there is a component of that, of course. The facts back back it up as well. So last year at Autzen Stadium, where we all know everybody plays better, right? Everybody plays better at home. Washington plays better at home. Oregon State plays better at home. USC, Oregon, like everybody plays better at home. I think that's especially true on the defensive side of the ball because you're feeding off that crowd noise. I think it especially helps the defense, right? Because during an offensive sequence, the, uh, the, the crowd is actually kind of, you, you know, not muted. Then they get excited when a big play happens. Right. And certainly you feed off that energy, but with defense, it's constant, right? It's constant. It's building you up, hyping you up before the play. So in 2022 at Austin stadium, Michael Penix threw for just over 400 yards Did did throw an interception in that game. I was far more impressed with uh, this year's interception than last year's. Shout out to Jaleel Florence, who I do not have an update on right now. Uh, Hopefully, he's all right because he's played very well this season. But TriQuest Bridges was one of the individual standouts, as I'll talk about uh, later on today's show. But last year, Penix, over 400 yards at Autzen Stadium and not sacked. Compare that to what he did on Saturday. Did he come through in big moments? Of course we all saw that did he make a lot of really good throws yeah he did was he as good as last year not even close not even close washington ran the ball with some success but oregon held michael penix to his worst game of the season and oregon's defense did that on the road penix completed 59 percent of his passes he hadn't been below the low 70s in a completion percentage standpoint in a game this season from a completion percentage standpoint Had not completed fewer than like 72% of his passes. Completed 59% of his throws. He was just over 300 yards. That's his lowest total of the season. He went for 304 against Cal, but he was out of that game. And like it was over, essentially. I don't think he played most of the fourth quarter. So he went for 59%, just over 300 yards, was sacked ones, and was hit several times. So offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb for Washington uh, said that on the fourth and goal, where Oregon made the big goal line stand, which was also that was big time stuff. Big moment in the game. Ball was at or inside the one yard line, and they came up with that stiff, that stiff. I mean that that was that was awesome. And and also emblematic of what I'm talking about here that this is a much, much better defensive unit. Ryan Grubb said he that Michael Penix wanted to call a quarterback sneak on fourth and goal, but that Grubb said nope. I don't think so because Penix had to get an IV before the drive because he'd been taking so many hits. Remember, he was grabbing his rib cage. He wasn't moving super well. He's not a supremely mobile guy anyway. He's just deadly accurate from the pocket. He moves well within the pocket, but Oregon got shots on him. Last year, he was untouched. Last year, aside from one roughing the passer, he didn't take a hit. He did not take a major hit. He took several major hits. The pressure was not always there for the Ducks I'm not saying the defensive line and scheme and everything was perfect in terms of disrupting the Huskies offense but by golly it was a heck of a lot better than last year statistically and then when you factor in that it was on the road that makes it all the more impressive and so we're six games into the season six regular season games to go and Oregon's defense is playing at a level that makes me think gosh almighty they could go six and zero. It is, it is 100% possible. Not a given, but it is within reason. You, you don't have to have a hop, skip, and a jump. Get a fortunate bounce. They're capable of outplaying each of their next six opponents. They're absolutely capable. Through six games this year, just under 16 points per game. Quite good. Number one pass defense in the Pac-12. Held Panix to his worst game of the season. Yes, he was still good, but that's what happens when you're going up against an NFL quarterback with NFL receivers. You can only contain them, and Oregon contained them quite well. Under 300 yards a game allowed total defensively, and that's with over 400 against Washington. And I, I just look at the way that they play. The team speed is there, the physicality up front. I, I think situationally, they've been much better. Oregon won third down on, on Saturday. They, they had more first downs. They were better on third down, and they outgained the Huskies. Usually, you do those things, you win. Unfortunately, Oregon was 0 for 3 on fourth down, and that's how they lost the game. We all understand that. But when you're looking at kind of the underlying infrastructure of what this team is, everything that we saw on Saturday, I know it wasn't the, you know, dominant statistical effort that Oregon had against Colorado or against Stanford, right? But that's because those are vastly inferior teams. And when you go up against a team that is on your level the way that Washington is, this is how these games look a lot of the time. Think about Georgia, for instance. So Georgia last year had a great defense. We know that. We learned that in week one. Georgia the year prior even had a great defense. When they're playing teams that are of a higher caliber, you, you can contain them compared to what they're used to doing. You can't stop them. You're not going to go out in this world of football. This is not the early 2010s SEC where big games would end like 12 to 9 or 15 to 10, you know, or 13. To 10. You can't do that anymore. There are too many great athletes. There are too many sharp play callers. All the innovation in football and the rules benefit the offense. It's all there. That's where the best players are. So when I think about what a good defensive performance is for Oregon against the Huskies on the road. That's just about what it looks like. Came up with a goal line stand, played well in the second half, made adjustments. Remember last year, we were all frustrated with the defense because, man, Washington and Oregon State, they were it felt like there were no adjustments. Washington had 22 points in the second half and didn't score their second touchdown in the second half until 90 seconds left when we gave them the ball right around midfield. That, 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 that is substantial growth in my view. So I feel great about what the defense is going to do this week against Washington State. The Cougs do not have a great offensive line. And I just feel good about Oregon's defense across the board. I, I, I think there are still, you know, areas of improvement, of course. But guess what? The best golfers in the world can get better every single week. I, I played golf earlier today. I played quite well. In no world would I look at it and go, oh, I played perfectly. Like, that just doesn't happen. You don't throw a perfect game. A great outing in baseball is seven innings, one run. Wasn't perfect. You gave up one run, but you still, you still had a really, really good day. So I feel great about Oregon's defense, and I think they're going to have some really big games upcoming statistically. Against Washington State, against Utah, I think they're going to flex their muscle. And there are a lot of things they have to do in order to accomplish that, as we'll discuss uh, later in the week. But who's more motivated to get a win this Saturday at Autzen Stadium, Oregon or Washington State? It's an interesting question. I have one for you all as, as well. Why haven't you checked out LinkedIn Jobs yet? Why Why, why haven't you gone over there? Because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That is why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Go in there, create a free job, post in minutes, add the purple hashtag hiring frame, and spread the word that you are hiring. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. I edited that second segment sit down a bit. It was a little bit longer today. Sometimes I'm just really thirsty. Spend a lot of time out in the sun. All right. If you would like to be a Locked Unducks insider, it's really, really easy to do. You get breaking news, the inside scoop, exclusive content delivered directly to your phone, plus one-on-one chatting with me, even more thoughts, breaking news as I hear or see it reported. Join the Locked on Ducks Insiders community now and be in the know all the time. Go to subtext.com slash Locked on Ducks or click the link in the description below. Free trial period for 14 days, then just $5 a month and you get even more Locked on Ducks, which I very much appreciate you all deciding to tune into today. You also get priority mailbag if you're over there. Just saying. So first mailbag question of the show comes from the subtext. That's the way that we roll around here. Who do you think will be pumped up more this weekend a team that lost a really close game in a heartbreaker that would be us or a team that got bumped by a huge bumped huge by a team they should have beaten this is an interesting question because you can readily make the argument in the media sphere either way washington state is playing for their season if they want to have any hope of making the Pac-12 championship game. They'd have to have two losses, right? Seven and two team could get in. Happened last year. Possible, dare I say, likely to happen this year. So they, they are playing for that. They are playing with that urgency week to week. Oregon, meanwhile, you could argue, oh, they're poised for an emotional letdown after that crushing game, except they're coming back home to Autzen and perhaps motivated to show the rest of the world that they are a team that can win the Pac-12 and can get to the the college football playoff this season, which is what the rankings reflect, right? They're only number nine in the AP poll going from number eight to number nine. I was happy to see the AP voters got that right. In no world should Oregon have been dropped from the top 10. You reward the team that wins the game? Of course, that matters. But was Oregon vastly inferior? No. They outgained Washington, they out-first-downed them, and they were better on third down. They just weren't better on fourth downs, and if they convert one of them, they win the game. Or if they make a field goal, maybe they win the game. So, I was glad to see that that took place. But I'm not doubting the motivation level of Washington State, who are trying to avoid dropping their third consecutive game. I think them being on the road here is a tough spot. I mean, that blow that they took against Arizona last week, if you didn't see, I I was utterly shocked by the outcome 44 to six that was the final score in Pullman in Pullman where Washington State once upon a time had a three possession lead against Oregon State then they you know mounted a late comeback and made it look like a three-point game it really wasn't Washington State was way better than the Beavs who are a good team Washington once upon a time played a solid Wisconsin team they were up like 31 to 9 or something like I think it was 24 to 9 somewhere in that range they were up comfortably And held on to win the football game. And over the last couple of weeks, they have been absolutely mauled in the trenches. Arizona ran all over them. Arizona runs the ball a lot better than you think. And Noah Fafita is a good quarterback. But Washington State offensively, they cannot run the football. And they struggle to protect Cam Ward. And when he gets off his spots and out of rhythm, he tends to turn the football over. And he's had multiple turnovers in each of the last two games. As Washington State goes, Cam Ward goes. That's a quick look at the Cougars. But bringing it back to the motivation level, I'm not denying that Washington State is 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 going to be a team that wants to play with some urgency to prove something. But Oregon's playing for higher stakes. Like Washington State is trying to save their season and end on a positive note in their last year in the Pac-12 or whatever is, you know, happening right now, and they're always playing with that sort of urgency. I don't think it compares to what Oregon knows they are capable of. all, All the quotes that I've seen from Lanning, from Jeff Bossa, who had a funny one about guys running butt naked open. By the way, another feather in the cap for this defense. Last year, guys were running free, were wide open didn't happen this year Washington had to make a lot of contested catches and to their credit they did but that again was another sign of growth particularly in the secondary who I'll get to again later in the show but Oregon right now is in a place where yep it was a bummer but frankly fans including myself I think were more even more disappointed in losing that game than the players were because every quote that I've seen from Bossa, from Nicks, from Lanning makes me, gives me the sense that they are, they are determined to rebound in a strong way and remind everyone of what the AP is sending as a message, putting them at number nine this year. And that's, yeah, we're still a really good football team and we know what we're capable of. And we came up just short and that stunk, but we're still here to kick butt and take names. So I, I lean towards Oregon on the motivation standpoint because they have more to play for realistically this season. Washington State is always trying to make a statement that goes beyond just the game that they're playing right in front of them. I I, I think Oregon is going to be just fine this week. Washington State is certainly you know, not a team you can just dismiss. I think or- Oregon's Open is a 20-point favorite. There's a reason for that. I think they're going to come out playing with their hair absolutely on fire to remind the world and the conference and you know Washington frankly who they you know just lost to and might play again in the Pac-12 championship game I don't think that's a guarantee but it's a possibility I think they're going to work as hard as we can possibly imagine to remind everyone what they're capable of and I think that starts this week good question Uh, let's get to one that I um, or a point that I had raised previously So going into the Washington game, we're asking questions about the defense. How would they match up? I talked earlier in the show today. I felt like they did really well on multiple fronts. And the more I think about it, the more I like this team defensively. The more I think about it, the more I like them offensively too. And I didn't really have any concerns coming into the year outside of the offensive line. The offensive line that was shuffling some pieces around incorporating some new guys, definitely had some returners, but Connerly's new at left tackle, Cornelius a new player, JPJ's changing positions, Harper and Jones are back, But and there's also a, a subtle shout-out, not so subtle, but a uh, overlooked standout on the offensive line, uh, who I'll get to later in the show as well. But one thing that I talked about going into the Washington game was, okay, the one legit front seven Oregon had faced going into Saturday's matchup was Texas tech and it was on the road and remember Oregon didn't run the ball well in that game it was three and a half yards a carry it was 113 yards I'm pretty sure that's the lowest rushing total Oregon has had in a game all season so I was wondering how good is that going to be those concerns for me have been put to bed because Bucky Irving is awesome and Jordan James is great and the offensive line clearly knows what they're doing and Stein knows with Carlos Lachlan how to scheme a rushing attack over five yards of carry on the road. I I have no, I have no concerns. There are no concerns left. And this speaks to something larger about the offense and why, as I talked about on yesterday's show, I'm confident this is a team that can go to the Pac-12 championship game and can go to the college football playoff. I did not feel that way in 2021 after you know pulled the big upset against Ohio State but then lost the game to Stanford okay when that happened for what was ultimately a 3-9 Stanford team you realize okay this is a good team but it can't be a great one this Oregon team is good and they can put together a great season they have the pieces because right now I have no qualms about the offense none situational play calling okay you can throw that out there Oregon was really good on third down by the way they weren't good on fourth, but they were really good on third. I think the number was like 10 for 15. Like, that's outstanding. So, their execution is not completely void. They just, in a couple moments, couldn't make one play that they needed to. Okay. That's the one area they got to work on is executing one fourth down. So, they can run the ball. Bo Nix is great. The weapons are there, the weapons are deep. They know how to spread the ball around. I have. Absolutely, positively, no questions remaining here offensively. I'm seeing an offensive line that can run block, one that can protect Bo Nix, and, and Bo knows what he's doing back there. I mean, he is playing at a really, really high level, and I'm appreciating him for every game that uh, we've got left because, you know, as we know, you don't always have great quarterback play. Sometimes it's Justin Herbert. Sometimes it's Bo Nix. Sometimes it's Anthony Brown. Sometimes it's Dakota Cop. It's really, really good right now. Everything offensively feels really, really good. I got no questions. You might have a question for me, and that's, Spencer, who are your individual standouts who need a shout-out, as is tradition here on a Tuesday show after a game? We'll talk about that. After we talk about Prize Picks, which is the largest independently-owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America, the biggest one. North America is the continent that we, we, we live on, by the way, in case you weren't aware. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports is just you against the numbers. You don't have to battle thousands of other players and pros and sharks and everything like that. You just pick more or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks, discounts, select player projections up to 25%, even more value. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use that code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use that code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Alrighty, individual standouts from Saturday. I love doing this on a on a Tuesday show because Monday's kind of, you know, big picture takeaways and team trends and everything like that, but there's some there's some homies that need some shouting out here on the podcast. And this is going beyond, you know, the obvious guys all the time, right? Like Bo Nix, I can shout out every week, right? And I just don't want you to take him for granted. So that's of course a shout out because he was fantastic. And Troy Franklin was really really good. But how about some other guys? How about these three guys? Like the running backs were really good, but we know we and expect that. Here's what we didn't expect. TriQuest Bridges at one point in time was single-handedly keeping Oregon in the football game. Washington had the lead in the third quarter. Kyrie Jackson and Jaleel Florence collide and injure one another. And Jackson, of course, eventually returned to the game. Florence did not. Hopefully he's all right. I've always been high on him. But I was high on TriQuest Bridges coming into the season, too. I said, look, he had a rough first half, but second half of the season, he was really quite good. And he showed you that on Saturday. That pass interference call he got flagged for was absolute horse crap. It was a horrendous call. Horrendous call. And every time they went at TriQuest Bridges, he was draped over who? Roma Dunze. That is a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Not a top 10 receiver. He's not a top 10 offensive player. That's just a top 10 pick. Mel Kuyper's got him number 7 on the big board. TriQuest Bridges comes into the game. A guy whose role has been reduced from a season ago. Ready for his opportunity. And he goes and puts on the clamps. I mean, he was like white on rice to Roma Dunze. Stuck to him like glue. Whatever metaphor or analogy or simile you want to come up with, that's what he had. And yeah he gave up the game-winning touchdown did he look out of position there was he badly beat because that's the problem that a lot of fans had with him a season ago was receivers were getting five yards of separation from him sometimes well that didn't happen this is why recruiting matters this is why depth matters this is why you got to be able to have a minimal drop-off because if there was a significant gap washington to their credit you know, said, hey, backup corner in the game. Let's go right at him. And Triquez Bridges said, bring it on. Bring it on. He wanted all the smoke and he was absolute nails. I don't think he could have played any better and gives me even greater assurance that if Florence is out this week, we're good. We're fine. Triquez had an interception to Cam Ward last season on a heck of a play. And if if you can go one-on-one with Roma Dunze like that, where when uh, I think... Adunze was targeted four times with bridges in coverage, two incompletions of which there was no hope of really having a completed pass, a contested catch for a touchdown in which he was, you know, a couple inches from knocking it away and a pass interference that wasn't pass interference. If you can do that against the best receiver in the PAC 12 and probably the second best receiver in the entire country to Marvin Harrison. Yeah. I feel pretty good about what you could do against, uh, I don't know anybody else. He also had a couple nice tackles. Like I, I, yeah, that guy deserves a big, big shout out because he came up clutch when Oregon needed him to, he was called upon and it can be easy to not, not have the right mentality when you have been essentially benched compared to what you were a season ago. Doesn't seem to bother him props to Triquez bridges. Gosh, he was good. How about Patrick Herbert? Patrick Herbert is having a fantastic season kind of quietly. It got louder on Saturday when he caught the touchdown but I mean if you watch him you know he he looks healthy he looks like the guy he was coming out of high school which I don't know if he fully was a season ago but I mean he is making some big time blocks he's having a great impact in the running game so is T-Ferg caught the touchdown which was not an easy catch by the way and every week it feels like he's making a couple impact plays this is not an offense driven through the tight ends It certainly knows how to use them, though. And they have to be ready to make a play when called upon. Patrick Herbert is. T-Ferg is. And and, and Herbert, especially with the touchdown catch, deserves a shout-out. And I I thought that he had another good game and just continues to be real, real good for for the Ducks. Finally, I don't know if he's getting all the love because it wasn't wasn't a huge number of plays. But Poncho, Iopanilaluulu, continues to be a regular player for the Ducks, who are playing, from what I can tell, six offensive linemen consistently. And it's JPJ, Harper and Jones on the interior, Connerly and Cornelius are your tackles. But Poncho rotates in at guard for Steven Jones all the time, in key spots. And he had to rotate in, in the biggest spot of his young career, And he had to snap the ball back to Bo I I know it doesn't sound like a lot. That is a true freshman in a hostile environment. Can anyone think of a game in which a backup center was not prepared for the moment at hand and it impacted Oregon's offense? I can. Poncho went in there. It was for one snap. But guess what? When JPJ had to go out of the game, You were nervous, and I was nervous. And guess what? Dude stepped up and was ready for the moment. And I heard that Feope, his older brother, who's a tackle, also plays. He's kind of the uh, seventh offensive lineman we've seen this year, like in jumbo packages and such. I heard that Feope was kind of talking in his ear, like hyping him up, right? Giving advice a little, bro. Not advice, but just kind of being, you know, um, cheerleader feels like the wrong word, but just just kind of having that brotherly love and support of like dude you got this you're built for that you're ready for this Bo Nix was talking to him about it he was going through the snap count and the call because they were going on a silent count basically all game with Bo Nix doing the old school Darren Thomas put one fist down and he nailed it he came in he nailed the snap and I'm pretty sure Oregon picked up a couple yards on the play that that dude is going to be a staple in this offensive line for the next couple of seasons but that was a big time moment that plenty of people could have folded under. He did not. He, he he just looks ready for it. He's been a surprise on the offensive line depth chart. You know, I, I thought that Junior Angulau would be someone who played more, but Poncho's just better. Poncho's apparently just better. And, and I was I was so impressed with that one moment because guess what? He was only needed for that one snap and he nailed it. That's a high pressure spot and he executed. Those are my big individual standouts in addition to the obvious ones, right? I mean, the running backs, Irving and James, both over five yards to carry. Bo Nix, 330-plus and a couple scores and no turnovers. And uh, Troy Franklin, awesome. But those people there, Triquiz Bridges, Poncho, Patrick Herbert, I thought deserved an individual shout-out. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Let me know if you think I missed an individual shout-out, and I'll get to it on tomorrow's show. See you, everybody. Go Ducks.